This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Please be aware that some of the content discussed may be triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Reach Out, the podcast, where we are dedicated to ending sexual violence through advocacy, counseling, education, and more. This is the official podcast of Reach Counseling, located in Northeast Wisconsin. You will learn more about the services we provide and hear from members of our team, sexual assault survivors, and the people who support them. We are so glad you're joining us today and would love to connect with you further. You can find out more about us by going to reachcounseling.com. The interview portion of this episode was recorded in May of 2023. Please keep this in mind when dates and timelines are referenced. This week's episode features an interview with Sarah Van Kike, prevention educator and youth and teen advocate at Reach Counseling. Sarah shares about her educational journey and why she enjoys working with kids. She also discusses sex torsion and what victims of it can do to get help. Here is episode eight. Thank you for being here today with us. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah. So can we start off by you just telling me a little bit about your background in general? Like, where are you from? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So I was born and raised in Kakana, Wisconsin. I have lived in the Fox Cities my whole entire life. I went to my undergrad at St. Norbert College. I have my degree in sociology and a minor in leadership studies and I am currently a master of social work student at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay going to be a school social worker. Awesome okay wow tell me how you came to be involved in REACH. So it's actually a really funny story how I kind of landed here and I always really enjoy telling it actually so I'm glad that you asked. Yeah. I was about to graduate from my undergrad and I had applied for grad school and January came around and I got this email and I got waitlisted and I was just devastated because the last three years of my life all I thought about was going to grad school and so I took the time and I reevaluated and I said okay like there's always next year for grad school I'll apply for a job and this job for a prevention educator came up and I went, oh, that sounds really interesting. I've always really had a love for prevention education. Um, Ever since I was in high school, I did prevention work with the Pride team at Kakana High School, which was a peer-led group doing performances about drug education. Wow, so like as a student, you were doing prevention work? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so when I saw the posting, I was like, oh, like that sounds really interesting. That sounds like something that I could enjoy for a year or maybe a little more, you know, build my resume as I want to become a social worker. And I ended up getting the job. I didn't realize that this was a sexual assault agency. Um, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I Like, so when you got the job, you didn't realize that yeah, this is no. what, it was specific to that. Well, okay. I mean, yes, I, I, I knew with like the interview questions with them being based in advocacy, um, like I, I put the dots together, but I, I knew nothing about sexual, like the sexual God, violence okay, field. About the topic. Yes, that's, that's what I meant. I knew nothing about sexual violence when I landed here. 
And so it's been a really interesting journey learning and becoming so passionate about a topic like sexual violence. Mm. So tell me what is your favorite part about your role here? I love giving presentations. I specifically love giving presentations to the kindergarten through third graders. Interesting. Those okay. are my yes, those are my favorite. And I don't know if it's just because it's so wholesome and they're just so excited to learn. Mm. Um and you know, when you get to middle and high school, these kids are not as excited to learn about sexual violence or about sexual assault. Um and it's a really weird and uncomfortable for high schoolers but Mm. the way that we present it to elementary schoolers makes it fun Mm. and if you play into the fun they will have fun learning about it too yeah yeah they're kind of like sponges right they just they get so excited Mm -hmm. I I have a a son who's that age group and uh, he gets excited about everything so and they get so excited to see like a guest in the classroom they're like oh my goodness, who are you? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm here to teach you today. And I'm so excited to do it. Like it's so fun to feed off of their energy. Right, right. Because they have so much. So what would you say is the biggest challenge to your role here? Personally or professionally? Both. I think... If you had to choose one or... I think one thing that I really struggled with when I first started in this field is learning that youth and teen advocates are not mandated reporters. Um, It initially felt really wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more I learned it and looked into the statute, the more I kind of understand. And I know that we have these safeguards in place where, you know, like usually before a kid comes to us, there's a teacher or a parent who is intervening at some point. Mm. Uh, But it's still, there's just some part of it where I'm like, "Mm." can you talk about that? Like the goal essentially would be that you're communicating or pointing them to a mandated reporter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's absolutely Mm -hmm. what we do. Um, When we're in the schools doing our prevention work, we're always making sure that there is one of those adults in the room. And if someone does come to us and disclose, we're always asking like, is this something that you want to talk to a counselor about or a teacher or, and we do try and guide them. Mm-hmm. Client advocate privilege is established in Wisconsin state statute 905.04, which states that a victim has a privilege to refuse to disclose and to prevent any other person from disclosing confidential communications made or information obtained or disseminated among the victim, a victim advocate who's acting in the scope of his or her duties as a victim advocate and persons who are participating participated in providing counseling, assistance, and support services under the direction of a victim advocate. If the communication was made and or the information was obtained or disseminated for the purpose of providing counseling, assistance, or support services to the victim. Wow. So essentially putting that as an advocate, we have privilege with our clients and we are bound by that confidentiality. There is a space in Wisconsin State Statute 48, which is the statute that talks about mandatory reporting, where it does talk about the list of um, people who are mandated to report. And under there, it does say, it does not specifically say victim advocate. It does say any other mental health professional 
And I, depending on how you view our profession, I think right. that's up for interpretation. Interesting. And I consulted with Ian from La Casa because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I was presenting the information the right way and that I also as an advocate understood the statue and how this is supposed to play out with minors and reporting and he said that because we're not explicitly detailed under that list of individuals who are mandated to report through Wisconsin state statute then we are not mandated reporters. So when you do your training for this position they make it clear to you you're not a mandated reporter you can't disclose this yes information what's the benefit of that? I think the benefit to that is it gives kids a safe space. A lot of mental health professionals that kids do talk to are mandated reporters and you know it can be hard for kids to fully trust individuals when they know that you know I can only tell you so many things like so much and then you have to start phrasing in hypotheticals you know if you're working with older kids that's a lot of the times how mandated reporters can kind of bypass right that right and maintain trust with their youth but it's tricky yeah I mean it's tricky there's a fine line other people that I've talked to for this podcast have mentioned that they often have kids disclosing or discovering for the first time when learning about appropriate touch and boundaries and all this that, oh, my boundaries and these have been violated mm-hmm. and they disclose. So how do you handle a situation like that when they come to you after a presentation and they're like, hey, this happened and how do you handle it? I think it absolutely depends on the age of mm-hmm. the kiddo that you're interacting with. I always like to get on their level. Mm-hmm. Um, and first and foremost, say, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Mm. That wasn't fair. That wasn't right. That shouldn't have happened to you. And I'm so sorry that something like that did happen. And then kind of asking them, would you like to talk to somebody else about you know, what had happened? You know, is there something I can do for you? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. And then are they typically open to that? Like so for you to maybe loop the counselor into the conversation or a teacher or someone? Yeah, typically a lot A lot of younger kids are good about, like they're really good about going to their teachers and their guidance counselors. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very receptive to hey, is that something you'd like to go talk to Miss So-and-so about? If you feel a little scared, that's okay. Like, I can go with you. Yeah. And kind of offer that helping hand or just having someone to kind of walk through the process with them. Yeah. And that was such a worry I had when the shutdown happened in the thick of the pandemic or beginning of that Mm -hmm. season. um, That was an immediate worry that I had. Because as a teacher, I had students that disclosed abuse to me actually on a regular basis. And I was a mandated reporter. I did report. And I, I thought of those students and I thought of how many other students will not have this person now, um, whether it be a teacher or a counselor or whatever, mm-hmm. like looking out for them, available to them. What Do you know what Reach did during the shutdown? Like, I don't. I know they did... Um, virtual presentations mm-hmm. in schools. I'm. I know a lot of the advocacy was virtual as well. Yeah. 
I might ask somebody that was here during yeah, that. That would yeah. be a better one. But I just thought of that when I was talking to you. I was like, I wonder what they did. I'm sure yeah. they did something. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that, that was just... I think we're still seeing the ripple effect of that uh, shutdown and will oh, for a while. Yeah. yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, it's even like the gaps in our education... Like, sometimes it'll be like, oh, like, do you remember learning about the protect yourself rules? And mm-hmm. kids will be like, oh, well, we we didn't have it that year because of COVID. And it's like, oh, like, Because you okay. guys build upon, the educators, you build upon that curriculum every year. Yes. Right? Yes. So the kids, like, remember this stuff a lot. But yeah. then they have that chunk of time where maybe that didn't happened or it was ritual and they missed or it just fell differently yeah you know you know I always like to think of our curriculum as like the beginning of the school year you know the same way that you go through those classroom rules in the beginning of the school year Mm -hmm. or the same way you know you go through those school expectations and those kind of rules is the same thing that we're doing with our curriculum right once a year We're going into the classrooms. We're giving them a reminder of that sexual abuse is not okay. That exactly where the private body parts are and that no one should be touching them on their private body parts. And what to do if someone does touch them in a private body part or in an unsafe way. Yep. That is amazing. And I, you know, as a teacher, I actually had a list of statements that I had up in my classroom. And I taught um, everywhere from elementary up through high school and even collegially. And in my classroom spaces, once I got trauma-informed training and, and all of this, I started putting up in my classroom a list of statements that said no child should be hurt, no child should be, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that often just having that posted led to conversations with students because I wanted them to know I am a safe person to talk to about this. You know, Mm -hmm. I went through abuse as a child myself and I remember just, you know, once I began counseling in college, like I came to this realization that certain things were abuse that I didn't even view as abuse. (laughs) Like as as a child, I just didn't, like it Mm -hmm. didn't register with me a whole buried level of stuff too Mm -hmm. that I was like, I'm in counseling as, you know, a sophomore in college. And I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> that was also a be- Like, mm-hmm. I think society sometimes makes things so taboo or whatever. And, mm-hmm. but it's like, why, you know? The more we do that, the more we give uh, perpetrators, like, a breeding ground for, like, doing abusive things, you know? So yeah. what you do is so important. No, I no, and I feel the exact same way. So it's funny that you say that because... As I was new in the sexual violence field, as I was learning, there were times where I was like, wait a minute, that happened to me. (laughs) Or like, the more I learned, the more I learned about like what exactly sexual abuse is and what all encompasses sexual abuse. And there's a lot of things in there that we don't necessarily talk about Mm -hmm. or that weren't talked about when I was a kid. Right. Like when I was Can you give an example? yeah, Yeah. So like when I was a kid, we didn't talk about like grooming. Right. Or like online, like predators. I mean, not that that's not the right word, but um, about dangerous individuals online who mm-hmm. p- like prey on vulnerabilities and I don't know about that yeah and as like a 14 year old with unfiltered internet access yep like that's really dangerous and it's 
funny because now is that's something I'm really passionate about is sextortion and child generated sexual abuse materials. Can you talk more about that? Like, I think this is really important for people to know. Yeah. Sextortion. Well, yes. I've never actually heard that term before. Yeah. So I actually, I did a training a few, a few okay. months ago and I was brilliant about sextortion. Sextortion is basically sexual exploitation, sexual extortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing, like being blackmailed, manipulated, to doing something, sending photos, videos for in exchange for gift cards. So the people who are perpetrating, they also, they will do things like they'll Photoshop like faces on nude photos that aren't actually people's and they'll send Mm. them to them and go, I have this photo of you. If you don't send me $500, I'm going to send this to your family and your friends. Mm. That is a crime. Yeah. So that is not okay. Yeah. If someone is blackmailing you, threatening you to send them a photo, a video, if this is something that you have done before and are scared about it, it is okay. Mistakes happen. We all make mistakes. What can somebody do? Let's say... Right now, there's a 16-year-old listening to this podcast, and they're yeah. like, that's me. What can they do? Absolutely. Give us a call at mm. Reach Counseling and get connected with an advocate, 100%. Mm. Um, from there, we can work through – there are some online resources. Um, one specifically is needhelpnow.ca, um, okay. and that can remove um, – photos or videos or anything like that from the online presence Mm -hmm. it's a really unique tool i believe that one it can actually take photos from people like from people's phones as well oh wow interesting so from what i understand of the resource i believe they they can do that and what would the purpose of that be it can like so it would essentially be able to code that photo and Mm -hmm. then take it down from the internet. Wow. And okay. so it like embeds the photo with a specific code and any time that that code would pop up, yeah. it'll take it down. And I would imagine this kind of crime is also what leads some people into human trafficking and sex trafficking, that extortion. Am I right in thinking that? Or? Yeah. yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing that sextortion can lead to ultimately is suicide among young people Mm. because they are just so in it and they don't know how to get out and this person is you know threatening them and blackmailing them and telling them you know i'm gonna send this to your family your friends if you don't give me money i don't know about you but i don't know i don't have 500 dollars. i don't know 16 year old with like 500 Yeah, yeah like that's in, like they ask purposely for like large sums of money because they know that they can't. Right, it creates that yeah. downward spiral and yeah. And so these kids, they feel like they're trapped and they can't get out, and ultimately they take their own lives. Oh my goodness! Could you give some advice to parents? You know, I'm a parent and I try to talk to my kids a lot. You know, they're they're on the younger end of things, but I you know they're they're getting to the age where they're asking to have a phone and all that, and that mm-hmm. scares me so much like the thought of them having a phone scares me because yeah. I just know the types of people that prey upon children and I, what can parents do to talk to their kids as they're first getting an electronic or something like what can they do what safeguards can they take 
Yeah, I mean, I think really having a really open and honest and vulnerable conversation with kids as they start getting electronics is a really great way to start. I mean, building that foundation of trust is going to be really helpful, especially because so just having these really open and honest and vulnerable conversations with kids and like just letting them know like that we have rules and expectations and guidelines and you know, this is a responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. And we're in this together and kind of like create that like open space for them and make sure that they know like if there's something that you see or somebody says something or someone is sending you something that's inappropriate, come and t- like, come and talk to me. But creating know that you're not going to be mad at yes. them. Yes, that, that is right? the, that is my kids are afraid their parent is going to be mad at them. Yes. Right. Yeah. And like making sure too that kids know that mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as kids get older, they may experiment with sexting with peers or other individuals. And we need to let kids know that it's okay for them to make these mistakes and we are going to be here and help them when they need to be picked up. Mm-hmm. We can't keep letting young people just flail mm-hmm. by themselves. Right. Like we need to give them the tools to equip themselves to be safe online. Yeah. And I think just my main overarching goal is just try and create those spaces where your kids feel like they can trust and come to you if something were to happen. Yeah. Because I know that that's not something that I had growing up. And I feel like if I could have turned to an adult and said, hey, this is going on and this doesn't feel okay. Right. Like, I think some harm could have been. I saw a post online the other day on one of those social media platforms. I forget which one, but it was something like, I want to be the type of parent who, when their kid, when my kid is in trouble, the first thing they think is, I need to call my mom, not, oh my gosh, my parents are going to kill me. Yeah. You know, yes. and that resonated with me. I'm like that. I don't ever want my kids to feel like, oh, I, I better not call my mom or my dad. Like I better not call them and tell you know, and then mm-hmm. that spiraling starts and and mm-hmm. heaven forbid you know a suicide. That's yeah. yeah. So yeah, and that's why the work you do is so important with prevention education in reach and youth and teen advocacy because I think you know after everything you just expressed. It's really like you're creating this partnership with everyone that cares for these kids and youth that it's like, hey, we're here for you. We're going to help you navigate this. It's okay. Like, even if, like, there's something where you knew it wasn't the greatest choice, but you did it anyway. And, you know, I think, too, a lot of the middle schoolers that I've talked with, they sometimes there's a naivety there, right? Which mm-hmm. and there should be because they're kids still, right. right? And we force kids to grow up way too soon, I think. Oh, don't like, even get me started so on that. It's that balance of, you know, you don't want to say too much to like scare them, mm-hmm. but you also like they're thinking, oh, my parents are just being mean and they don't want me to have this app and they don't want, you know, and it's that fine line of like, how do I tell them that there's more beyond what they know? And I want them to trust me versus, like, I just need to tell them about the fact that these things happen. 
Yeah, you, you know, that? I think there's some really great resources online, especially for talking to kids about online safety. Um, amaze.org is a great okay. resource. Um, I love using their videos and presentations. They're so kid friendly um, and it's such an easy, and they have so many videos like uh, about puberty or sex and like safe sex or things like sexual assault or grooming. And so it's a really unique resource because it's videos that are kid friendly that you can use to have those kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. conversations, mm-hmm. especially with middle schoolers. Because I know even talking in parent groups that I'm a part of, there's many parents that are like, I don't know how to have these conversations because like their parents may never have had them with that. They learned about all this stuff at the back of the school bus or like, you know. Yeah. So it's nice that they could go to a, to a resource like that and maybe watch it for themselves, decide, is this something I want to show my child or, or maybe I can use this to get an idea for having that conversation myself. Yeah. 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 Or even I think there's another website it's called NetSmarts, I believe. Okay. And that one is through NECMEC, which is the National Center for Exploited and Missing Children. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And those ones are really good, too. You're giving they, us all these good resources. Yeah, yeah. I love no, it. No, <laughs> I love – I just – I love talking about this because I think it's so important. And I think it's something that we don't talk about enough. It's – online world is scary and it's really important that we're having conversations with kids about online safety, especially because we know that traffickers and other individuals with bad intentions are where youth are. Yeah. And if the youth are online, so are they, and they're going to figure out where those kids are. Yep. So giving kids, like our kids in our communities, the best toolbox that they can have to deal with things like that, or, you know, when someone sends them a weird DM on Instagram, right. they can be like, mm, I don't like that block. Yeah. You know? That's and like, so empowering. If we teach yeah. kids these really smart ways of being online, I think that we can try and change some of this. Because if you're going to give your child a phone, right, they're going to be approached by people that have bad intentions. Yes. That's just that period that's gonna happen at some point yeah and so you either equip them to identify and deal with that or you avoid that conversation and set them up for who knows what right I had yeah. I had an avoider parent who didn't want to have the uncomfortable conversations and have the uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. I don't care how uncomfortable it is yeah like it's so important and these conversations are so important to start younger and younger and younger as well. Well, thank you so much for yeah. being here. Thank you. Every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. You are not alone. Reach Counseling is here to help, and we're expanding our reach. Since 1976, we have offered our services throughout Winnebago County. We are pleased to now offer our services in Outagamie and Calumet counties as well. REACH Counseling is a sexual assault service provider for children and adults that offers culturally responsive outreach, prevention education, victim advocacy, trauma counseling, and sex offender treatment. As an anti-violence agency, we strive to heal lives and transform communities. Call our 24-7 helpline anytime at 920-722-8150. 
For more information, visit us at reachcounseling.com.